This is GKW. Welcome into another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. I am Gabe Nitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, from ESPN West Palm, Brian Rowitz. And make sure you check him out, apparently, on GKW All Access. I didn't realize we were introducing a new GKW All Access show, but here we are. Catch him ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He is Jonathan Hood. Well, I, I so, just thought that. Well, I just thought that because Tony Khan had his big announcement for uh, you know uh, AEW All Access that we have to have our own All Access show. We're going to find out the behind the scenes of Gabe Neitzel and how he's going to be able to get on that golf game, fifty five <laughs> degrees in the in the cold in Las oh, Vegas. Oh, in Vegas, the behind Don't the scenes. There. We're going to get the Honda Classic behind the scenes from Brian Rowitz. How does he get it done? How does he get that TV radio hybrid thing going <laughs> for Good Karma in West Palm? And then, of course, me. How do I have a brisket and a rack of ribs all at the same time during the show? <laughs> all for GKW, all access. Yeah, can't wait. What a tease! <laughs> uh, if if you're looking for some more immediate reaction after what happened this past Saturday at the Elimination Chamber pay per view for WWE, we did do a special podcast with Jay Hood and Brian Rowich immediately following that. You can go back and download the podcast if you happen to miss it wherever you get your podcast. Just search GKW or Good Karma Wrestling. Uh, but now here we sit. We've gotten clearly, it looks like it's going to be Cody and uh, Roman Reigns. No change in direction as of Monday night as we head to WrestleMania. But what do we think as we are now at 900 plus days? What do we think of this Roman Reigns era? Has this been impressive for you? Are you impressed? Has this been good, the, the run for Roman Reigns here over the last 900 plus days? Uh, it has been good for me because it's different than the Brock regime. Here's why it's different. It's because of this whole storyline with the bloodline. If it was just Roman Reigns as just a guy by himself, Gabe, coming out defending the championship once every other pay-per-view, it'd be kind of dull, you know, like the Lesnar era. But this is different because you still see Roman on TV mostly every other week, mostly on SmackDown, but yet the storyline continues. And then when he does uh, get in the ring, bro, it's, it is a banger. Like, I, I can't give you a bad Roman Reigns match because it's not allowed. You're in the main event, a lot of these pay-per-views, so you don't get a stinker. You may not like the, the creative around it, but Roman Reigns has given you quality. And so because of the rain, this is what it is. It's not because the WWE does a bad job of lining up serious contenders, real contenders for the championship. That's not on Roman Reigns. That's on McMahon slash Triple H. But see, to me, that is a reflection of him. And you mentioned the bloodline, and that is the best thing in the WWE. Does the bloodline need the titles? You're one of those guys. You talk about all the time about characters not needing belts. Has the bloodline needed the belts? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think so because I think the the champion, the heavyweight championship, and the tag team championships tell a story. Now, okay. once this is done, now once this is done, bro, it's like when Roman loses the championship, when the Usos lose it at WrestleMania, uh, we'll still look at them as characters more so than champions because they're made men because of the championships. Sure. I think. Well, to me, that's the thing. Like you mentioned the contenders, and like I know it's sort of recency bias, but thinking about how it's going to end, which seems like it's going to be Cody, that seems the obvious choice, it sort of feels like a letdown because ultimately ending this run should be the moment, should be a star maker where you say, wow, that person, they're a legit star now. I don't know if Cody needs that. If it were Sammy winning, it'd be a different story, and that's why I'm just sort of meh on the title reign as a whole. 900-plus days, 27 title defenses, like – it's good, but I don't know if it's great. 
See, I, 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 I'm on the opposite. And while I am not thrilled about the direction it's going and looks like it's going to end at WrestleMania with Cody going over, mostly because the, the best stories the WWE has told in the past five to ten years have been around the bloodline. And it started at the beginning. Like him and Jay going head-to-head, the whole beginning of the bloodline, and then making Jay and Jimmy, and then eventually adding Solo Sokoa. Like, that was great. Like, Roman showing up with Paul Heyman in tow when he came back during the pandemic after he had disappeared, and we weren't sure when we were going to see him again because of his presence with leukemia. Like, him back was a big deal. Him being with Paul Heyman was a big deal. And then they told a fantastic story with Jay. They told a fantastic story with Kevin Owens. And... I think they've gotten the best out of Brock Lesnar when they were going back and forth. And it led to one of my favorite moments of 2022 with Brock Lesnar showing up and driving down at SummerSlam with that giant-ass tractor and then dumping the ring. Like They have told some of the best stories through the bloodline. And then the best one has been the part that they have told over the course of the past year with Sami Zayn, which is what made Saturday so disappointing and what makes it, 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 it what makes potentially his reign ending with Cody Rhodes so disappointing because I'll tell you what, I'm Cody right now is not doing it for me. Like the whole, I have him for the next five weeks yelling, I have to finish the story. You got to come up with something better because you had the opportunity to close out this bloodline angle with a bang, with something great, with something that meant something in terms of the larger story that you told around the bloodline. Now, Cody coming in and being here for three months screaming, I have to finish my story. Then where do you go from there? Like it just, none of this is is making me happy as a fan because I just don't buy into the direction it's now currently heading. Well, wait, I, I don't know why you have a problem with the main event of Cody Rhodes versus Paul Heyman. That's going to be a banger at WrestleMania. <laughs> and hey man, that's that's the other thing. That's well, right. I mean, I mean yes. listen. I mean, uh, Heyman has been fantastic in these in these promos back and forth with Cody, but Heyman isn't wrestling. Nope, he is not. Wrestling. So, I mean, so, so it, it is Roman Reigns, and eventually he'll come out there, saunter down the ring, and he'll be face to face with Cody and Roman Reigns. But you know what, guys? That ain't changing. And you know what? Because of it, the more and more I see this, the more and more I think that Roman's going to retain. I, I tend to so, agree at this point. Like honestly, I agree. I think because there's going to be backlash. Like I worry about that crowd just not being into it at Mania, whatever night they main event, because. We talked about Saturday, and Meltzer pointed out, you're never going to get that moment again. If Sammy wins the title, it's going to be special, yes. But it's never going to be at that level. And the one thing that stood out to me was when Roman won, when that, that one, two, three, it wasn't booze. It wasn't people upset with Roman. It was silence. And to me, that's sort of what we're going to get with Roman and Cody at Mania at this point. And to me, that's a reflection on Roman's title run. Cody got a decent reaction when he came out on Monday. But who got the best reaction? That crowd was like, Sammy's got everyone eaten out of the palm of his hand right now. He's the most over. He got himself over, and they're not going to pay it off. And it just, it, you know, and that's when you hear the rumors of, you know, and I know Sean Ross Sapp had done some reporting on this and said that the rumors that he was hearing were unfounded in terms of some, um, some members of the locker room being scared that Vince was taking creative back over. But this, this is a big WrestleMania for Hunter. And we are, right now, the way a lot of these matches are trending, I'm indifferent, man. 
I'm indifferent on Cody versus versus Brock, or excuse me, versus Roman. And I'm with you. I hope that Roman goes over and they, you know, because right now a thousand days has to seem really intriguing. But I think you can build up more for Cody. This I have to finish my story thing. I think he has to overcome more obstacles than Seth Rollins, a torn peck, and then entering the Royal Rumble at number 30. Like, I think you can garner more sympathy for Cody Rhodes and make that moment more monumental. Right now, I think it's going to fall flat. You've got an opportunity. Cody's not going anywhere. You still have chances to get him that championship opportunity. I think you have to tell something. And whoever goes over Roman, you have to make it more meaningful. You're never going to get the opportunity, as you said, as Meltzer said. You're never going to have the opportunity to get it back. And by the way, I have not heard one good reason why Sammy should not have won on Saturday night. Haven't heard a single good reason. Not the, oh, WWE's looking to sell the business. You're not doing any favors for Cody. Like, no, it doesn't matter who beats who at WrestleMania. If Cody ends up being the champion when the company sold and he can go out and do all the interviews you want, you, you can still get Cody the championships. For years, WWE has told us for years, this is a moments business. We're in this for the moments. And you can add the biggest moment, the biggest moment since CM Punk winning in Chicago at Money in the Bank, and you decided to throw it away. And then Triple H comes out and tries to be, oh, he's Sammy's such a great performer, and tries to sell it. But I think even he knew. They screwed up. I think he knew in that moment, damn it, we should have gone this way. We could have had that great moment. And Sammy's run doesn't need to be that long. No. Like Mick Foley, like he keeps, he keeps getting compared to Mick Foley and, and Mankind. When Mankind won, which by the way, I, I was I was fantasy booking this thing the entire time in my head as it was going along, and I was rooting. I was just praying because we knew that that The Rock wasn't showing up, but there were still the rumors out there of oh maybe Stone Cold versus Roman, and that doesn't need the championship. What if we got that symmetry? Stone Cold coming out while all the shit going on, hits Roman with the chair, much like he hit The Rock with the chair back on January 4th of 1998, and we get Sammy to go over in that moment because of Stone Cold. Like, the place would have been going bananas. You had opportunities to create a special moment. And Triple H, by the way, the Mick Foley, his title reign wasn't that long. None of his reigns were that long. I understand it was a different era of they were hot potatoing the championship between Mick and The Rock at that time, but you had a chance, and you blew it. You absolutely blew it, and nobody can tell me a good, give me a good reason why you didn't give Sami Zayn the damn championship last Saturday. I mean, the one argument everyone keeps pushing back is like, oh, you're not going to do it so close to Mania. Like, people are going to watch who Mania. Cares? Like, you already sold tickets to the place. Like, they don't care who's in the main event. And, like, Sami oh. is that guy. And, like, it makes no sense. You missed out on that moment. And that's why when it comes to the Roman run, we've talked about it a lot. How many times in this run did you think, all right, he's going to lose? Two? Three, maybe? Like, KO, Drew, and then last week. Yep. Mm-hmm. In 900 again, days, three times. Like, yes, they've but I don't think, matches, but... Eh. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, wrestling can be predictable at times. Mm-hmm. It can be formulaic at times. But if you tell a good story along the way, I can still buy in. And for 98% of the bloodline, they've told a great story. They had a great chance at telling a great ending... And now they're not getting – who knows if they end up getting that? Who knows if they decide to have Roman go over at Mania and continue the bloodline story and have somebody else be the one who finally puts Roman Reigns' shoulders on the mat one, two, three. But they had, a, they had a great opportunity. They blew it. They blew it. And Triple H is now under a lot of pressure, man. My honeymoon phase with, with Hunter, it's over. WrestleMania has to be a banger, and we're not off to a great start. We're not off to a great start. 
And this comes from a guy that gave Sammy 0% to win the championship. <laughs> He's Gabe Knight. <laughs> so to answer the question directly, has Roman Reigns' title been a good? Yeah, it, it's been good, But and here's why. And there's two things with this I want to bring up. So it's been good because it does not feel like Brock. Like Brock would have a match, and then you would not see him for months on end. Sure. They wouldn't even talk about him. He wouldn't even be in the picture until you get closer to WrestleMania, got closer to SummerSlam. At least, uh, at least he's around. At least Roman Reigns is around. And the other thing, too, is that he's become this cool heel. Do you realize that in his entire reign that I can think of, there's only two times where there was heat on him, where people were really booing him? That was closer to the uh, Clash of the Castle with McIntyre, and it's the whole thing with Montreal. If you were going to take the championship off of Roman, it should have happened uh, in this elimination chamber because there was so much heat. The FU Roman chants were huge. And it, the thing that caught me off guard is I did not know that SmackDown was going to emanate from Montreal as well. And so people were into Sammy when he was just standing there at the end of SmackDown and they were ready to just blow the roof off the place. And then, of course, Roman ends up winning. Let me just tell you something right now. Because of what happened with McIntyre, what happened with Zayn, you could change the CEO. You could change the head of creative. It's the same philosophy. We don't get what we want. So now, because you screwed me on McIntyre, because you screwed me on Zayn, and now you're going to force feed Cody Rhodes on me, then just like Vince, I can't believe in you because when it's right there in front of your face, when you got a hot crowd of Montreal, and all over the country, by the way, that's really into Sami Zayn, you screwed us twice, so now I can't believe in you. So, I mean, well, all, all I can do is I only base it on what I've seen so far, Gabe. I mean, they've done it. You could do this with Vince. You could do this with Triple H. It's the same philosophy. Don't keep putting the brass ring out there for the fans, but also snatch it away from them just at the unopportune moment. But you, you just can't tell me that you listen to the fans anymore, yeah. which is fine. Just don't don't lie to me. Don't lie to my face and tell me that you listen to us because, man, and, and, unless Triple H ended up having a really restless night of sleep on Friday because I don't know if he was expecting I mean, he should have expected that crowd and what happened on Friday night to happen because if you've been paying attention, you knew that was going to happen. And then I knew I, – I, I was expecting – I thought, man, that was cool. You know what's going to be even cooler? Tomorrow night. And that crowd was hot from day one. They were chanting F.U. Roman in the opening sequence. Like they knew that they had a long way to go before Roman Reigns came out. They had two Elimination Chamber matches and some other matches in between before they got to Roman, and they started F.U. Roman chants. Like when's the last time you saw a WWE match? where the two dudes went, didn't even touch each other, didn't even lock up for three or four minutes. And the place is going bananas. The place is going berserk. Like, it was such, man, Saturday night like was, was such a great reminder of why at least I love professional wrestling. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but it was such a great story. And it, it, it made you feel something. Like, pro wrestling made me feel something on Saturday night. And then it made me feel something again about a half hour later with the disappointment of you could have had something cool. And it was just – honestly, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, but I think I, kn I knew how they felt after watching that last season. I think I felt that disappointment after watching Sami Zayn finally lose on, on Saturday night. Well, that's the thing. Like that feeling I had Saturday was this feels like the Vince WWE again because I had lost those feelings when it came to WWE. When AEW came around like – that Cody Dustin match always sticks out. I remember saying, whoa, it feels good to feel about pro wrestling again. Like you had that feeling. Hangman winning the title, like even though his title run wasn't the best, it still was a moment. The path we're going on a little over a month away from Mania, this feels like Vince. Whether or not he's running it, 
it feels like he's got a hand in it. Like, Cody is the guy that looks the part. He's going to get the title. Maybe it's a swerve, but Brock and Omos, hey, they look the part. Look at them. Like, let's give them a WrestleMania. Like, this feels like Vince. And, like, maybe Hunter's allowed to throw in some matches, but it's starting to feel again where it's like, I don't know if I want to watch every Monday and Friday again. I mean, look, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch Sammy. I'm going to root for Sammy because I yes. freaking love that guy. And, again, he showed. He, he, he gave you a reminder. That dude can go, man. Given the opportunity, he can go. And I know he's been a character actor and he's been a comic relief heel over, I don't know, the last two, three, four years. But, man, I remember the last pay-per-view we had in here in Milwaukee was Fastlane, which, by the way, they did a title change at. Uh, KO lost to Goldberg <gasps> right before WrestleMania. Why would you do that? Um, but I actually had with Samoa Joe. Joe, that was my favorite match of the night. Like, they just had a banner at that pay-per-view. And Sammy's a guy who can go in the ring. And I, I don't know, so they've gone easy on him the last, you know, few years. But, man, that was such a great match on Saturday night. It was fantastic. But I'm with you. Like, I'm, I'm not looking forward to them versus the Usos. I'm not looking forward to Cody versus Roman. Not looking forward to Omas versus Brock. Like, I, 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 I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. Uh, I'm Cena versus Austin Theory, does that do anything for you? Yeah. And almost, almost, again. Yeah, almost versus Brock is um that is suicide for almost. It it just yeah. it's like I mean, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, he barely talked to us in an interview, and then on top of that, he can't work. I mean, that it's just I just don't understand that, but like that doesn't help almost. And by the way, if almost goes over, now that's something, but I don't think that's gonna happen. So what's no the way is Brock losing to him. Brock wouldn't lose clean to Lashley. You think he's going to lose to him at Mania? <laughs> funny. <It's> great point. <laughs> great point. It would be he's funny. He's going to try and F5 him and drop him on his head, but he's going to try, damn it. He's going to come somehow, some way. Man, oh, man. See what happens when you don't develop talent, guys? See what uh -huh. happens? Like, we've gone through this whole calendar year. Here we go at WrestleMania. You got to fill that. You got to fill SoFi twice, 100,000 people, maybe a little bit less than that. And then you put that out there, it just shows well, people are going to show up. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I've learned to accept WrestleMania is not for us. Like yeah. the people that are diehard pro wrestling fans, WrestleMania is not for us. It is for the casual fan to where you roll out the Johnny Knoxville's of the world and the McAfee's and the whoever that you're like, oh, I want to see oh, Bad the, Bunny and Logan ring. Paul versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, you're looking yes. forward to that. Which, by the way, is anybody else pissed off that Logan Paul is just stealing the buckshot lariat and we're all ignoring it? Am I the only like no? Like, you're stealing an AEW guy's move, and now we're pretending it's cool, even though, come on. This is, this is worse than, than Kenta being pissed off at CM Punk for stealing the go to sleep. <laughs> well, don't get hot. <laughs> Sorry, I've had a lot of pent-up things. I couldn't be on the show Saturday. I've had a lot. I, I just haven't been able to get this out about how upset I am about what happened tonight. Give this guy a voice, and all of a sudden, he just explodes <sighs> on us. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm done yelling for now. I may continue okay. to yell. We'll see how it goes. We're going to yell th through WrestleMania. Like, this isn't yeah. going to stop. Like, the cards aren't going to change, so we're going to be yelling for a lot of weeks here leading into Los Angeles. So I get it. You mean Brock versus Omos, main eventing one of the nights, isn't going to do it for you? Oh, my God. They better not do that. Mm. That's tough. I will say this. Mm. Oscar versus Bianca Belair. Looking forward to that. Murder Clown versus Bianca should be fantastic. It's a banger. I, I want to see Bianca sweat. I want to see her hair yeah. messed up, but I want her to get angry. 
That's what I've been waiting for for all this time. I want her to be a little bit out of sorts taking on Oscar, not just go through the motions. I want her to be upset. Let me see if they, and, if she could take it to another level as far as our emotions are concerned. And the murder clown is definitely the best way to get there. All right, we move on and talk about some of the other top stories happening in the world of professional wrestling. We like to call it the three count. I think you should be able to figure that one out on your own. What do we have at number one, Brian? One of the guys projected for Mania right now, probably against Bobby Lashley, is Bray Wyatt. He debuted 10 years ago, and Vince Russo on the Wrestling Outlaws podcast said, quote, Bro, I could not believe this guy debuted on WWE TV 10 years ago. This guy, without a shadow of a doubt at this point in time, should be Undertaker status. He also added this guy is a genius and they cannot write up to his level. Has Bray Wyatt underachieved in his career? I don't think he's underachieved. I think certainly the WWE's let him down. Like some of the some of our favorite things, at least from the pro wrestling fans I'm friends with before we started this podcast, when when Bray was doing a lot of the stuff that he was doing as you know as the fiend, as you know back when you know you had the Wyatt family and you had those storylines going on when he was a past WWE and Universal Champion. I mean, a lot of the stuff he did was cool, and Vince just didn't know what to do with it. You know, like there was the match where somehow, you know, Seth Rollins pins him and yet he then pops up right after the pin and just, he didn't know what to do with it. And he, he knew it was a hot act. So he decided to book it into the championship and he didn't want to give it the championship, but then he did. And he ended up burying Seth Rollins in the process. So Seth had to rebuild himself because he was getting booed. Like Vince didn't know what to do with it. I, I don't know if Bray is underachieved because he has told some of my favorite stories toward the end of Vince McMahon as head of creative in WWE. I just look at that more of Vince didn't know what to do with it, so it didn't reach the levels that it probably should have. So we have seen our share of dark characters in wrestling. You know, Raven, Kevin Sullivan, Maniac Mark Lewin, Papa Shango. I mean, there's been their, their share of, like, dark characters. And so but Bray Wyatt, and just as you just said, bro, it's just earlier, like another guy that's never needed the championship. For him to be a two-time WWE champion is just out, this outrageous to me because, uh, you know, Jake Roberts comes to mind as well. There's another guy that just they don't need the championship. If they're going to do something that's kind of spooky and scary, then let that be what it is. It's kind of like what we just saw him in the last pay-per-view um, with L.A. Knight. If it's a five or six minute thing where it happens on a pay-per-view or a Raw or SmackDown, let it happen and move on. Now, here's the thing about that. That whole thing with Bray is mid-card. It always has been mid-card. That that whole thing with his personality, guys, is not main event status. It isn't. It's, even though we know he can go, but when you put yourself into that scary box, right, when you do that, then that means that you're an attraction, not a main eventer. Is it, that's just the way it is. Like, look at look at wrestling, your lifetime in wrestling. Give me a character like that, and he's so unique, that's been at the top of the card to stay at the top of the card. That's a gimmick. That's not a wrestler. That's not a go-to guy. That's not a guy that's, you know, making them towns for 300 days a year. Because here's the thing with Bray. No one goes to see him wrestle. They go to see right. the attraction. Like, what's with this Firefly Funhouse here? Who's who's he going to attract here? Is he going to bring in? To, that's what it is. It's like, what is he going to do next? More so than, wow, what a great five star match. That's not who he is. Well, that's the weird thing because, like, like you said, he can go. Like to me, him versus Brian at the Rumble when they were doing that whole angle. Like, I love that match. The way the two of them went and the Firefly Funhouse was one of the one things that when WWE was going through that period where it was almost unwatchable. That was the one thing I wanted to watch every week. But yes. there's something missing. And to me, 
it's the recent stuff. Like, there was such a clamoring for him to come back. And when he came back and there was no Vince, we're like, all right, now we're going to see the real Bray. And we've seen a glow-in-the-dark match. And we saw QR codes. And it just, it's been disappointing. It's been underwhelming. Like, him versus Lashley at Mania is not something I'm looking forward well, to. Well, and just, like, okay. It's just, I well, don't know. Well, then what do you want? Then what do you want from him and that character? I want him, want him in the I want him to go. Like, I want to see him work. You want him in the title picture with Roman? Nobody. I don't want to see that. No, I don't want to see that. I I wouldn't mind. Th- this has taken too long to tell the story. Like, we should know who Uncle Howdy is at this point. Yeah. What's Alexa? Like, Alexa Bliss was involved with this, and now Alexa Bliss is gone. Alexa's just gone now. Yeah. So, like, there have been in some inconsistencies that have been going on with the recent stuff. But also, so I... Th- I think of him versus Randy at oh. at Mania for the championship after Randy won the you know Randy won the Royal Rumble wasn't going to challenge and then did the flip and then the, they like superimposed the bugs on the ring like again that just they didn't know what to do with him like that just felt so out of place at the time. Don't worry, it's stuck in person. Also, don't worry, that was in Orlando. Okay, was terrible in person. <laughs> well, I can't imagine if you were sitting front row, you could really see what was going on when they superimposed things onto the ring. So you know, I'm, I'm glad you paid a bunch of money for the you know sitting ringside for those. I, wow. Yeah, but but you're 100 right, Jay Hood. Like I don't want to see him near the title picture. Just let him tell him interesting stories away from that. And maybe that is mid card. But I think if you get the feud hot enough, and he was the hottest act in WWE, which is why Vince probably put him in the title scene because Vince just didn't know what to do with it at that point. Just okay, this guy's over. Let's give him the title. He didn't know what to do. So you you can still be the hottest act for a company at that point, and he can still main event some pay per views without getting anywhere near the title if it ends up being an interesting story. So Ted Z, who's on our, our YouTube, watching on YouTube.com, look for Good Karma Wrestling, says that Bray just put in the same category as Gangrel. Yikes. Well, yeah. Well, Grant, you ever want Gangrel and the brood at the top of the card? You did not. That's that's a gimmick, guys. Like, I mean, listen, I agree with you, Gabe, that you'd like to have, to have it to be interesting. The Firefly Funhouse is not for me. For me as a wrestling fan, it's just it might be for you guys, but it's not for me. And and when he when I see him in the ring, I know he can go. He's a son of Mike Rotunda. I know that he can wrestle. There's no doubt about that. But just understand that whatever they do with him, that's never going to it, that should never be the number one attraction in this company. It should not a gimmick. No, it should not. But in like to the main way, point, Russo saying he should be Undertaker status. I don't no. think Undertaker's a great wrestler. Like, how many five-star Undertaker matches can you think of? He's a great character. I don't oh, think he's a great wrestler. Give me a Taker five-star. They both left me. What the hell are you talking about? Give me a five-star Taker match. Like, either one of the HBK matches at WrestleMania? Either Shawn Michaels match? Yeah. Shawn Michaels carried a lot of that. But he was in there too, though. <laughs> what a, tri- a Triple H, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ray White, a wrestler than the Undertaker. The Undertaker is the best character ever. Uh, uh, Josh from the Hoots podcast says Taker Angle, No Way Out, two thousand six. Like, that wasn't good. What? So, wait, but so wait, because he didn't do an intergender match at some barn in Iowa, he's not a great wrestler now. Is that like what are we? What are we doing yeah. here, Rowitz? Let me see. The Undertaker's not a great wrestler. Undertaker's not a great wrestler. Like he's a wrestler. 
Like he was a giant dude doing stuff off the top rope. Like it, like Lucky. old school is a is a fantastic move for the nineties. Be able to walk across the the what do we what, what Ricky starts what? dances up there now. He's just walking. That's right, bro. It says wait. Ray Phoenix does that for sport every yeah, night. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, Ray Phoenix is the best wrestler in the world. Like we don't need to compare him to Ray, but like. Uh, I cannot believe you just said that on Good Call Wrestling that the Undertaker was. Saying. I mean, oh, I saw. So, okay. We, Jay Hood, Jay Hood, Jay Hood. We worked so hard for a year to try to gain credibility, and Bro yes. just throws it away with one comment like that. I'm just throwing it just out like there. that. All credibility, but found the truth. Sorry, the truth hurts. Okay, well that's fine, but no more columns from Yahoo Finance on us. That'll be the end of that. <laughs> no more Yahoo Finance. <laughs> it was a nice column that we had, and now it's taken away. Credibility unplugged. So long, everybody. And that'll be the end of Good Cover Wrestling. With one of our guys says that the Undertaker. Okay, so you think more of a gimmick than a good a great wrestler? Yeah, great best character great ever. Gimmick or great wrestler, Undertaker. More gimmick. Wow. The best wrestling character of my lifetime, and maybe ever. Of our Not lifetime. a great wrestler. Of all, of all of us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. He surpassed Gorgeous George. He's much better than Gorgeous George ever was. Yep. So, like, they were able to get by with Bray, I think, like, can go to that other level. Like, Bray can do it, but just hasn't been given that chance. And at this point, I don't think we're ever going to get it. So, like, this is just sort of who Bray is. Like, he's just there. You don't have a favorite Undertaker match? No, I mean, I guess, the, yeah, the oh! Triple H match was great. Like, <laughs> what do you mean now? Like, you oh. at the end. like I was so tired of the Mania stuff by the end. Like, <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Wait, what do you mean? Like, like the only thing to look forward to, like when Miz and Cena were main eventing WrestleMania, like the only thing worth looking forward to was was the Undertaker on the card, like putting together a classic, like that that four year run where he faces uh, HBK, HBK, Triple H, Triple H, like that's as good of a run as you could possibly ask for in terms of match quality because the undertaker tore down the damn house each and every bleeping time. Good story. I thought I was done yelling and I got to yell at Rowitz. I think he's yelling about the undertaker. Come good on. Storytelling punk and taker. Great storytelling around the Paul bear stuff. Yeah. The match is good. Wow. <laughs> Buried a legend. Wow. Okay. I'm just saying Okay. All right. Let's let's just move on to number two and see what I can yell at you now about. Like I can't believe we we started talking about Bray Wyatt and he just decides to bury the Undertaker. That's unbelievable, man. You, I mean, you and AJ Styles try to bury the Undertaker. You're not going to do it on this show. It ain't happening. It ain't here for number two. John Moxley last night won his one AEW match. You guys consider Moxley an AEW or a WWE guy? Um, I, at this point, I think he's AEW. Like, he's the first 100 wins. He's won their championship three times. He has been the go-to guy for Tony Khan anytime he needs something. Whatever he needs. Hey, you're going on vacation? No, Mox is there for you. He, he showed up at the very first pay-per-view and was the first big surprise entrant for AEW at Double or Nothing. He's put on classic matches. Yes, he goes too far probably and bleeds like he did again last Maybe. night after the match. Just yeah, after the match, but, you know, two minutes of a show, mind you. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's like I mean, he got jealous. Look, guys, we know what happened. He got jealous because he saw all the blood coming out of Evil Uno's mask, and he just needed, you know, he he somehow signaled to the back, hey, just 
get Hangman out here with some barbed wire. I got to one-up this guy. But he's he's definitely an AEW guy at this point. Like, he has told the best stories of his televised pro wrestling career in AEW. I mean, I'll, I'll always treasure, because I was a Dean Ambrose guy when he was in AEW, and I love my favorite Matt moment. It's probably everybody else's favorite moment of him when he won Money in the Bank, came out, and he had the night at Money in the Bank where all three members of the Shield held the championships. But that just seems like it was so long ago, and he has carried the torch. He has been the the guy who has who has carried AEW the most in their existence. So at this point, I I, I think of him in as AEW guy versus WWE guy. So I first saw John Moxley um, doing the Indies and had these incredible promos, like in suburban Cincinnati, doing these incredible promos. I'm like, this guy's got a black jacket, he's got a jean jacket, his hair is all over the place. I'm like. This guy is so different than everyone else. Then for our listeners, go to YouTube and look for um, William Regal versus John Moxley. This is during Florida Championship Wrestling. And it was amazing because it was Regal trying to put Moxley over. But Moxley's promo is the thing that got him over. Comes in WWE. He's part of the Shield. It's a it's a um, trio they will never forget. And comes to AEW. His run with AEW reminds me of Kurt Angle and TNA. Like, I always thought he was a WWE guy, Kurt Angle. Then he goes to TNA and has these banger after banger after all these great matches with Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and all these guys. I'm like, wow. So when I see Moxley, I, I respect him because he wants to be the face of the company. All this bullshit that was happening with CM Punk and the fight with the Young Bucks and who was shining brightly. It was still John Moxley like, yeah, I lost, but I'm still here. I'm still here if you need me. So I appreciate the leadership from him. I think his bleeding is gratuitous. I think that... It, you know, when you want to get sympathy on the baby face, now you can't. Uh, so I have a problem with that. But as far as is in ring and his willingness to be the face of this company, I love that. I love that about him and Jericho for AEW. Do you think maybe he won't bleed in a Texas death match? That'd be a swerve. That would be that'd be good for once. That'd be good for once. And by, and by the way, Evil Uno's still bleeding right now at yeah. this point in time. Yeah, listen, a lot of blood with them. guys, if you're going to cut yourself, I don't know if it is a such thing as doing it the right way, but I would say don't cut an artery. I think that would be the advice. God almighty. Some of these guys here that are cutting themselves are not doing it right. You, you're supposed to get a little blood, not have to go to the hospital and get like a, a transfusion afterwards. They're not doing it right. For Evil Uno to bleed that much was insane. Insane. And by the way, you're in a mask, so it doesn't count. I can't even see all of it. Wow. I appreciate that AEW is willing to let their guys bleed. But when you do it every week, like going into a Texas death match, yes, you, you should probably expect someone to bleed. It's a Texas death match, even though it's happening right. in California. Yeah, but sure. beside yeah. that, um, okay. like you should expect someone to bleed. And that should be, I'm with you, it should be something special. It's not going to be special when Mox bleeds on March 5th at, at the Chase Center in San Francisco because the dude bleeds every Wednesday night. And, hell, he bleeds every Friday night. The dude's bleeding twice a week on AEW television. It's not going to be special when you do it on the pay-per-view. Like, they, they, need to, they need to rein it in. And when you do have some of these great feuds, like, yes, then that's the time to break it out, to, to kind of show and demonstrate that, hey, this is just this is how much this means is that these guys are willing to bleed. When you do it every night, like then it's just not special anymore. I mean, Sammy bleeding Saturday would have added to that match. As special as that match was, imagine Sammy bloody at the end of it also. 
And like, yes, yes it's because of the uniqueness of WWE, but that would add to that match. Well, the, the most the most iconic moment for Becky Lynch right. is when she she's bleeding at the top of the stairs, talking her trash. Granted, she was concussed, and we can ignore that part. But like that that becomes iconic because she's bleeding a little bit from the nose, and it just it, it meant a little bit more. And granted, because again, she was bleeding from her nose and didn't cut herself the way that Mox and Hangman and Uno did, like. It, it meant something, right? Like you saw the blood. You don't see it on WWE, and that's what made it special. When everybody bleeds, like it's 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 the same thing. Like, oh, if you have two quarterbacks, do you really have one? If everybody bleeds, then nobody bleeds. Yep. Yeah, it's just okay. So the reason why that a wrestler bleeds is because one, oh my god, the heel's getting his ass kicked. This is on a blow off. Man, he's bleeding, he's getting his ass kicked. Or sympathy on the baby face. Man, I mean, he got hurt. Like, it would, if MJF did that to Brian Danielson, which more than likely will happen, you get sympathy on Brian Danielson. Like, oh my God, he's bleeding. Hope you can fight from underneath and win. But when I see Evil Uno come out there and I hear Excalibur say, you know, he's on a 19 game, uh, 19 match winning streak, I haven't seen any of those. Zero. Yeah. So, I, so now all I see is a guy that's just rolling. You gotta watch, you gotta watch Dark with our guy, Matt Menard. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would have known that. But see, here's the thing, though. So now he bleeds. Uno bleeds, and I'm like, so, like, like, so why are you bleeding? I, I, I don't know. I know what your cause is, and I understand the story, but I couldn't care less that he was bleeding. But then, of course, Moxley bleeds, and it's like, well, that happens every week, so it isn't special. So you have two guys. Bleeding, I was no shocked. So. I was shocked that Mox was cool with letting him bleed and he didn't bleed during the match. And then when Hangman came out with the barbed wire at the end, it made a lot more sense in my head. Like, oh, that's the reason you were bleeding during the match because you were set up to bleed after the match. But it was two minutes of TV time. Yeah, like, it why? was it just, but, but, but not just, but here's the thing again, not bleeding, bleeding a gusher for, for, for what? Right. <laughs> like, 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 because he had two minutes left and he's sitting on the ramp. That's the the image I have in my hand. I think, hey, he's bleeding on the ramp, but now time has run out. Hey, he's a moron. That's what that's what comes to my. I, I don't have sympathy on him. I think you're stupid for bleeding for no reason, and that's yeah, cut. I mean, just a, a crimson mask for no reason. Again, that's that could be a powerful image to help save the pay per view. If Uno didn't bleed during the match. If Mox didn't bleed on a random Friday, if he didn't bleed the previous random Wednesday, like if, if by making it special, that's what you can then use to sell the pay-per-view being like, oh, this is going to be, we already know Mox is violent. And we know that, you know, the, the, the Blackpool Combat Club, they're violent. Oh, but look at what Hangman Page is willing to do. He's willing to take it to the, the next level with barbed wire and blood. But the blood just doesn't mean anything anymore. No. And that's, again, bad booking by AW. You, you can allow a little blood. You can't allow blood every single week on your show. But that's what they do. That's how they book it. Well, and, and for their pay-per-view, like I know there's at least two matches that are going to have blood. Clearly, Mox and the Death got an hour-long Iron Man. Someone's bleeding during that. Uh, and, and Jade Cargill. Whatever her match is. Well, so, I think, so let's move on to the next one. With AEW Revolution, Sunday, March 5th in San Francisco. Six matches announced so far. Gabe, you mentioned a world title match, Iron Man match, MJF versus Brian, the Texas Death, Death match, Hangman Page versus Sean Moxley. Tag titles in a four-way match, the Guns, the Acclaimed, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and a team to be determined. TNT title, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. <laughs> By Gabe. <laughs> Women's title, Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho, and Ricky Starks takes on Chris Jericho. What is your excitement level for AEW Revolution right now? 
Uh, one to ten scale, right? Yeah, one to ten. What do you think, Gabe? I'm still trying to guess. Jared is going to be wrestling for a championship in the year of our Lord, 2023. Like what? I'm probably winning it. Excuse oh, me, that was Jeff Jarrett, sole survivor of the Battle Royal, pal. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Spend my days working hard on the go with the hands on the clock. <laughs> too slow. There he is, the sole survivor, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, still relevant in 2023. My guy. Why? I, why? Like, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I'd be okay if you made Jay Lethal the sole survivor. Don't make Jeff damn Jarrett the sole survivor. Like, okay, all right, Jay Lethal can carry you into that pay-per-view. I can buy that. I can get behind that. Jeff Jarrett is the stronger of those two heading into the pay-per-view? Come on, Tony. What the f- I, I like how they hid in the corner in that paper. If you don't notice that Battle Royal, they were just stooped down in the corner the whole time just watching. I like that. I think that <laughs> like, thing was cool. Like, it was cool of Satnam catching them every time they were about to be eliminated. That, so I, I will give them that. Like, that, that was the the right use of a giant. Like, yeah. hey, you've got the giant. Like, use it to your advantage. That makes sense to me. Um, whereas, you know, it didn't make sense to me in the build for this pay-per-view. And So I'm, I'm not super excited for this one. I'm not going to lie, guys. Because, I, like, it's going to deliver in the ring. We always talk about this on GKW. When you leave it to the ring, like, MJF and Daniel and Brian Danielson, it's going to deliver. Like, the, the, the four-way match for the tag titles, you're going to get a fourth team in there that you know can go. We already know that the acclaimed can, and, and they'll, make, they'll find a way to, to make that thing go. I'm looking forward to Wardlow and Samoa Joe. Like, that should be a good match. Like, the, the in-ring action is going to deliver. But tell some compelling stories to get me there, to make me believe, to get me to buy in more. I'd buy in more for that, that, that uh, the championship match, the Ironman match, if, if Brian Danielson actually backed up what he said. Now, I don't have kids. I'm not Heath Slater. I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting over here. I don't got kids, right? Like, I don't have kids. But if somebody was talking trash about the kids that I do have, and I say, hey, you talk about my kids, I'll kick the shit out of you. And then that person looks back at the camera and says the names of my two kids, you're not going to get to finish whatever thought you thought you were about to get to finish. I'm jumping you before you get there. Why did Brian Danielson just let him, hey, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. You talk about my kids. And then let him talk about his kids. Well, like, can, can we just, like, if you're going to do the pull-apart angle, you could have easily gotten to that a lot sooner. A lot sooner. And actually had me go, yes, I want to see this, versus, like, dude, you just told me you're going to kick the shit out of him. You let him cut the promo. You let him walk into the ring. And then you just stood there? I, well, even I, at I that point, like MJF that. hears he's going to get the shit kicked out of him, and then he walks into the ring and is in the guy's face. Which doesn't make much sense either. <sighs> yeah, I didn't get that. I, I, that was a disconnect for me. There's a couple of things that was very odd about AEW last night. Like that was odd because it's Brian Danielson. He has a he has a very quick trigger. So yeah. I thought that he'd come out, he'd do like a swanton on top of MJF or whatever from the inside to the outside. That's what I expected. Yeah, right? I, I was I was I was actually on the edge of my seat anticipating it and then was let down when it didn't happen. Then the, the Jericho thing, that promo, that didn't get off. That wasn't very smooth. Yeah. I understood the no. point. It just didn't get off like Ricky. He was asked, like, you know, so, you know, if I take you, it, it, Chris Jericho says, hey, I want to take you on. There's a contract in his pocket. Do you think you could beat me? No, I can't beat you. Yeah, I could beat you. No, I can't beat you. It was very confusing. The verbiage was very confusing. 
it, it wasn't sharp as, as much as I would like from Ricky Starks. So it was a little muddy. I understand what the point was is to try to outsmart Jericho, but it didn't come across well. Maybe it's just me on TV. It was a little no, you're 100 percent right. Like I was, and and we know Ricky can give a good promo, right? So then when the when that promo falls flat, it becomes disappointing because we all have hopes of him ascending and being somebody that can challenge eventually MJF and maybe become AEW World Champion. So when you have those missteps on the microphone and the build to what should be in a, a pretty good match, it, it's just, it's disappointing. It's not a fatal flaw by any stretch of the major, but um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing when you don't stick that landing. So it's, it's kind of like um, Jericho says, oh, I don't know if I want to take you on again. Do I need to wrestle you again? I mean, don't you think you think I could beat you? And Ricky Starks has to say, no, I don't, I don't think that I can beat you. I'd like to try, but I don't think I could beat you, but I'd like to have the match anyway. But it was, that, it was like, yeah, no. Maybe I and then like I the, the the whole the thing was saved by the pin. You just made the list. Oh, pin. the crowd! Yeah. The crowd was super hot for the entire thing last night. And yeah, the throwback to the list of Jericho of clicking the pen. You just made the list. Like yes, the crowd ate that up because Jericho is just one of the best to ever do it. Right? Like yeah. the fact that Chris Jericho. Like think about that. Chris Jericho got clicking a pen. An act that most of you would be annoyed with in the office when you hear somebody constantly clicking a pen. Chris Jericho got clicking a pen over in professional wrestling. That's how good Chris Jericho is. That's how many iterations of Jericho that we know. <laughs> that, that, that WWE so Phoenix, good. and it is. That WWE Phoenix crowd, they know what that is. When he holds up the pen, they know exactly what that is. Or Brian Danielson comes out to do the yes chant. So they, they know the old gimmicks. So just holding up the pen, people remember, ah, the old list gimmick. And so it just shows you how great Jericho is that people still remember. You know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But but as far as my excitement level for a revolution, guys, just quickly, I it's about um a six for me. And what I, I think what you just read off, bro, which is might be it. Because you have an hour to fill with that Iron it Man. It should be it. it. That should be enough. Like I, I think they still will try to get three and a half hours in on that pay-per-view, but if you end it there, I can understand because you got to fill an hour with Iron Man. The rest of that stuff, I think you can get in. But I think if you hold it to six matches, I'm good. I agree with that. I don't see them doing that. I mean, you mentioned Jade. Oh. I mean, Cassidy's got a belt. Like, they might still try and work them in. I'm also at a six. Like, yes, from a wrestling standpoint, it's going to deliver. Yeah. But so many of these matches feel like they've just lost the steam. Like, Hangman and Mox, like, it feels like it's been going forever at this point, and they don't know how it's going to end. Starks and Jericho, Starks has lost some momentum. Like, he was so hot after that MJF match, and beating Jericho was a big deal, but now it sort of feels like Jericho's going to get it back, and he's going to lose even more momentum. The women's match should be good. Joe and Wardlow's been sort of all over the place. Like, it's there, then it's not. Then we get the haircut promo. And then even the tag belts. The fact that we already had the title chains, like, I sort of assume the claim's going to get it back. Like, it's just some of these matches have lost their steam, and when you have pay-per-views quarterly – I want these matches to be those big blow-offs where you've got months and months of build as opposed to like, oh, we've already seen this match and we just threw it together in the last few weeks. Do you think we see the trios? Do do we get House of Black versus the Elite? Yeah. David teasing that. Um, so there's another match on the show. On the way to that, by the way, not on the paper, but on the way to that, I need Omega and Buddy Murphy like a hobo needs a ham sandwich. Like, I need that <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. I need Sign that me up. Please. Give me Buddy Murphy against Omega and and Buddy Murphy going over, because I know that's going to be House a good match. Versus anyone, like they usually get stuck in the pre-show. But those guys delivering, it's like, hey, you guys know you're on the pre-show, you're still going to deliver. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I like. I think it's going to be fine. It's not going to. It, it won't be a ten. By the time we get to the pay per view and watch it all, we'll say it's probably a seven or eight, sure. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Uh, um. By but, the way, by the way, AW. Don't think I didn't see that the open uh, challenge for Ricky Starks and who comes out. That was not uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother. Did you see the the? That was, yeah. Album? Did you see that? Peter Avalon. I did see that. <laughs> Hollywood hunk. No, sorry. Peter Avalon ain't the Hollywood hunk. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I didn't see that. Straighten out your shit, AEW. Get your production right. Bro, does that shit bother you more than anybody on this show? Yeah. The production isn't right. It said Hollywood hunk, and here comes Peter Avalon with a new haircut. I'm like, wasn't it the group, here? though? I, I don't watch their group enough because I'm not watching Dark. I thought it was the, the group, the, the wingmen. Yes. Is he, is he a wingman? I think it's the two of them and that other dude, the big dude. Uh, yes, I've seen <laughs> that's, a, that's a great time. way. That's a great way to describe someone in professional wrestling, by the way. Oh, that yes. big guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. For a minute, and then it didn't work out there. No, right. not, oh, what about this? What if FTR ends up being the Joker's next week, and they get into the tag team match? Does that make you more excited? Yes, but I don't think that's happening. Do you? And Gabe, don't set yourself up for that. They get in the match to take the job to Jared and Lethal. That's what you want? Oh, That's what you want to see? Happens. You want to see Dax in by Double J? If that if that happens, I don't think I can I wouldn't be able to do the show. <laughs> I would be so distraught, I don't think I'd be able to show up for the show. I just I wouldn't be able Dax to handle your it. Goodbye, present. A one, two, three, shoulder on the mat to double J. Oh, I can't wait to see Jared. I can't wait to see Jared having gold in 2023. He and Jay Lethal, they're both doing but, the, the old strut. Ah, it's going to be great. Great TV. But this has been our problem with AEW since Double or Nothing last year. We know, like you said, right now, by the way, right now I'm about a four out of ten. Yeah. Excitement for Evolution. I know it's going to deliver in the ring. I know the pay-per-view. That's why I have no problem spending the 50 bucks and watching because I know the in-ring action is going to deliver. But especially after this past Saturday and kind of getting that reminder of what good storytelling can make you feel in professional wrestling. Like I, I, I've just got the itch to feel that again, man. And it, it had been way too damn long since I had that feeling as a pro wrestling fan, whether it was WWE, whether it was AEW. And I just got that itch, man. I feel like, um, you know, I, I just have that itch where I want to see it. I, I need I need that great story to get me to feel something in that anticipation, to get the crowd hot, feeling something, heading into that main event of a pay-per-view. But AEW, I, I had hopes for you about a year ago. We're trending in a And you just, you haven't lived up to the expectation based upon yourself. Congrats on your million last night. Good tip of the cap to you. But yeah. the, the storytelling needs to get better. I want to feel that again. That, and that's the feeling now I'm going to be chasing for a while as a pro wrestling fan. The other thing I'll add also with the AEW pay-per-views is you don't have those surprises anymore. Like there aren't free agents. People are going back to Hunter. There's not those big names. And we're not going to get those pay-per-view moments where lights go out and out comes someone. Because it feels like there's no one out there anymore. What you guys are missing is CM Punk. Yeah. That, that's ultimately what you're missing. You're missing CM Punk and what he could say and what he could do. That's that's the surprise element that we are missing in AEW, ultimately. That would be a good surprise. And well, because here's the thing. CM Punk has made me feel that way before. Yep. Like the story, you know, the, the storyline that he told with John Cena – 
the anticipation going into Money in the Bank 2011, like it made that 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 was a great feeling as a pro wrestling fan, and I loved it. And I know he's capable of it. In the anticipation, like he's one of those few people out there. I understand he's a pain in the ass, right? I understand he's a pain in the ass sometimes, but he's one of those people that can make people feel something when they're watching your product. Yep. And WWE, AEW, they should find a way. They got to be able to use him. And look, AEW could do it. Like AEW, if you sign him and get find a way to keep FTR around and do Punk and FTR versus the League, doesn't even need to be for the trios titles. Like you could give the trios titles to somebody else at that point. You could tell a great story there, where if you do it at all out in Chicago, you're gonna have a hot crowd. You're gonna have people behind it. You're gonna have people buying in. You get people feeling something and get behind your company. Yeah, and yep. you also have a young roster that you can continue to cultivate. Don't put them on dynamite and all of a sudden they disappear. Where's the book of Hobbs? Where is he? I mean, like, like again, yeah. we have even all the three of us that are busy people that love wrestling and we try to read and try to watch as much as possible in these little pockets of our life. Hey, man, we don't have the, the wrestling bandwidth to go to Elevation or Dark to find Hobbs. I don't, I don't have time for I don't have time for that show. I'll read about it, but I don't have time to sit down and watch an hour of squash matches. I, I just don't. I don't have time for WWE main event unless it's something that I got to watch, right? Something I got to see. Oh, you got to see this Cedric Alexander match. You got to see, you know, you got to see Shelton Benjamin. All right, I'll turn it over just for the one for the one off. But when I when you get someone hot and you put them on our TV and then they disappear, it's like, well, where, where do those guys go? Where where did they go? And this is and you talk about trying to find someone to feel. Hobbs is one of those guys. Phoenix is one of those guys. But you got to tell a story and get them hot, though. You got to like after this whole thing with Christian, for instance. Okay, so so why can't Jungle Boy get hot and be someone that you can say, hey, this is going to be the next level guy. This guy's going to be the next guy to beat Cassidy, or he's going to beat Samoa Joe. Put him in that position. That's how that works. You want to feel? Start promoting from within. I mean, that match is probably going to be added also, right? What's that? Christian and Jungle Boy. Like, does that get added to the card? Oh, yeah. yeah. Card? What about um, <sighs> Keith? Is that going to get added to the card? Like, this might be a long night. Are you telling me? Nah, Keith, <laughs> okay. Keith Lee, Keith Lee's wherever's getting blown off on a rampage in Milwaukee in April. Okay. Now, now see, no, but hear what Broads is saying. Are they going to try to still tie up loose ends from storylines from the summer? Right. <laughs> like, like, like from six to eight months ago? Holy cow. The one thing I will say, they did get smart because I initially thought when Adam Cole came back that his match he was going to be on Revolution. Or, yeah, on, on AEW Revolution. Yeah. But after last night's announcement, we know that's not going to happen until we get that debut of AEW All Access. So they were at least smart enough to postpone that match and not try to jam that into – Man, again, like when you decide to put an hour-long match on a card, you just can't overbook it. Like you can't tire your crowd out by the time you get to the Iron Man match. I bet you. Now, I don't know this for sure because I've not made a call. I would not surprise me if, if Tony Khan says, ah, it's in San Francisco. It's early. <laughs> like, like they could stay uh, for a while. No, seriously. Like, so that fair. is seven, six, five o'clock Pacific, right? San Francisco, yep. is that where you'll start? Ah, you know, we put four hours in. They leave at nine. They're good. Nine, nine thirty. It's fine. Never mind. It's going to kill you on the East Coast and us in the Central Time Zone. But they're going to say San Francisco five four thirty pre five o'clock show. Ah, they can sit for four hours. Where are they going? 
And you mentioned the hour. I feel like at this point, like you're not allowed to go just an hour. Like there has to be extra time, right? Like there's going to be sudden death at the end. That's what happened with Brett and Sean. So, yep, it's going to be like an hour five. Wouldn't surprise me. And it's going to be great. I got no problem with it. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. It's just yeah. going to be, you're going to be exhausted and may take a nap halfway through and then wake up for the end because it's going to be on so late. It's going to be, um, it's, it's going to be the shits when it's just one pinfall. When it's one nothing after an hour. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. One, one salt of the earth arm bar, and that's all we get in terms of falls in an hour. Ryan, what do we have in news and notes this week? Uh, we've talked about an AEW All Access announced last night. It'll premiere on TNT in March. It'll follow the lives of Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara, Take, Ty Conti, the Young Bucks, Soraya, Wardlow, Tony Khan, the most impressive one, Bleeping Kingston. That is announced last night. That was Tony Khan's big announcement. Um, I don't think the show is for me, but I think if I, I think this is a good thing for AEW. This is a good thing for AEW because WWE has shown whether it's been Total Divas or Total Bellas, like shows that give you the behind the scenes access, because obviously they're going to heavily edit this, is to draw in more fans. Like, so two things. A, you may be able to draw in a casual fan, right? Maybe draw in somebody else. And two, the fact that Warner Media is willing to invest into you and give you another show. That is a good sign for future relationship and future TV deals. Nope, uh, you nailed it. So when, when we question whether or not AEW is going to be on Warner Media, obviously they have faith in putting on this extra show. So I think they're going to have an agreement at some point. I can't say anything more about that. Um, the one thing I don't want to see is Russell Russell Nomics look at this show and said. Oh, they only had 94,000 people. Boy, that is a real struggle for this. Like, let it go. Let it go, please. It's just ancillary extra programming. And it just only helps the AEW audience to see more AEW stuff. It's not a negative. Oh, they've only got 75,000 people against A&E's WWE Sunday Night Show. Who cares? It's just it's just television. It's just it's just it's just content. I couldn't care less. I ain't watching it, but it's fine. <laughs> well, is he Eddie Kingston reality TV? I mean, come on, guys, you're, you're missing out. No, we already see it in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> he's melting down as we speak all the time. Like whatever he's yeah. going through, whatever he's going through, we see it in the ring. I don't need to see anything more than that. According to reports, Spectrum Cable has listed Forbidden Door Two as taking place Saturday, June twenty fourth. No official announcement from AEW yet. Um, Mercedes Monet, AEW, Chicago. I mean, this may be the one way you get it. I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, I'm assuming, yeah, it's got to be in Chicago, right? But where else? Would Mercedes, Mercedes Monet. So, if Mercedes Monet is wrestling for New Japan, what woman are you putting up her up against in AEW? Is it Britt Baker because Britt's the biggest star in AEW, or is it someone else? Uh, oh, so you're giving Britt Baker, you give me Britt Baker or the field? That's what yes. you're giving, right? Yep. Yeah, it's it's got to be Britt. It's yeah. got to be her. There's other better. Actually, there's other better wrestlers on the women's division that I'd like to see her against. But I think as far as star power, Britt Baker would be at the top. And that's a shame because she's not the champion. There's other really good wrestlers there, but I think for star power, for appeal, I think it's Britt Baker. Well, I mean, if we're going storylines, is it Soraya? Like Mercedes is the one that you know injured her. Ugh. So but we've already seen around. Like around Soraya, though. I mean, yeah. it's, it's my house and I'm hurting. But, like, if, if you're only getting one shot at the Mercedes Monet 
you know, right. it, 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 it being wrestling against a member of your company. Like, I think you just got to go star power versus star power. And I think you, you go Brit. Because it's yeah. probably going to be the only women's match on the card. We didn't have any women's matches last year because New, New Japan didn't have the women's championship at that point. So it may be the only women's match on the card. And I think you have to put, you have to reward your biggest star and put it up against their biggest star. I go think you go Brit versus Monet. If indeed they, if indeed I guess this thing ends up happening, it could just be a placeholder for them. Who knows? But my guess is it ends up happening. Speaking of Mercedes, Saturday night, New Japan Battle in the Valley in San Jose, Mercedes Monet, the new IWGP Women's. All right, here we go. My review of Ooh. yes, my review of this show. I, I had the assignment for New Japan, and here's what happened. So, Gabe, here's what happened on Saturday, right? So, so there we are. We're doing the special show for Elimination Chamber, and there is New Japan. And their Battle in the Valley show right up against it. Right as soon as Elimination Chamber is done, here comes New Japan. Now, we can't review both on the same show, right? No. We're trying to concentrate on why we're pissed off that Roman Reigns retained the championship. And then there's New Japan from San Jose taking place. All right, cool. So we couldn't do both. We got people that's on our social at GKW underscore wrestling pissed at us as a show that we did not review <laughs> This New Japan show, I'm like, we, we can't do both. Not not in the same broadcast, right? No. That was later on. So it okay. started while Elimination Chamber was still on. It started at 10 Eastern. So it still was on. I think it was right before the main event the show started. So what do you yeah. do? It was sold out, by the way. Great crowd in San Jose for that. For that. So just I, I'll just give you quickly three matches. So we start with Mercedes Monet against Kyrie, the old the former Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane came out with Boo Boo Face. And I said, uh-oh, uh -oh. there's gonna be a title change. Uh-oh, because uh -oh. Monet's doing all her things. She's still, she's still got that little boss thing going. She's still preening down the, the ramp like, ah. But Kyrie Sane had boo-boo face, and I thought it was like focus. Nah, she knew she was dropping the championship, and that match was really good. That match was really good, where, where Monet took her time. She was very – you could tell that she was the heel, but yet cheered because people know her from her WWE days. But she played the heel. There was a table spot in there as well. I thought it was fantastic. Fantastic matchup between those two. Uh, we saw Eddie Kingston against Jay White. I want to watch that match in particular because it was Jay White's last match in uh, New Japan. And uh, Eddie Kingston wins. And, you know, he's the guy that when he wins a match, he's never satisfied. He, like, he runs out of the ring. Instead of just taking the arm, you know, the referee puts your arm up, like, yeah. you're the winner. No, I'm not the winner. I'm not the winner. It's not me. No, he's a better wrestler. No. Like, no. He, here's a guy here that can enjoy success. Yeah. People tell him in the back. The wrestler's like, man, you know you're over, man. Listen to that crowd. No, I'm not. I'm not over. I'm not over. No one likes me. Like, he's that guy, right? Because because of his hurdles he's going through, right? right? He doesn't appreciate what he what how how people feel about him. That's Eddie Kingston. Great match against Jay White. Back and forth. Eddie Kingston wins the match and then uh David Finley comes out and says I'm the pretty much the leader of the Bullet Club because he just shit can Jay White and just push him out of the place. So, uh I never thought that Pitt Finley's kid was going to be going to be this good. <laughs> he's fantastic. Great great on the mic, no accent by the way. Right on the mic and uh, and fantastic. And Okada against Tanahashi, that is Ric Flair versus Rick Steamboat. They have wrestled 100 times. This might have been a three-star match for them. If you've never seen them, it was if you've never seen them wrestle, it probably was five stars for many people. I've seen them wrestle a lot. It's peanut butter and jelly, man. They never miss a spot. Tanahashi is Steamboat, wrestles the front underneath. Okada was the heel. 
Okada was the heel, and he was really? yeah, he was aggressive and took his time. Um, uh, his his facial face never changes, but uh, it was the Rainmaker clothesline, and then one, two, three. So I thought it was a very, very good card, very good. But ultimately, I I didn't find a way to uh, cancel my New Japan, so it was just <laughs> on there. So uh, so I really watched it to see what Monet was going to look like, and she's a power man. She's really good. And uh, Bailey and CM Punk part of that sold out San Jose crowd. Both of them in the crowd in attendance. Think about that. Now here's how it's changed, guys. Yeah. 2023, a WWE wrestlers in the back, like in the crowd. No, in the back. She was in the crowd. Yeah, CM Punk was in the upper deck. Yes. <laughs> Think about that. In 2023, you would ever allow that? They'd be fired on the spot. Which, by the way, that gives me hope that CM Punk is going to return somewhere because when he left WWE. Like, we did not see him around pro wrestling at all. You know, like, he showed up He showed up here in Milwaukee at some, you know, they were closing down some 500-person thing here in Milwaukee. He showed up in a mask, gave someone a GTS, and ran out because he, like, uh, knows the owner or whatever. That was yeah. a, a video that was hot a couple of years ago on social media. But, like, that was, like, he was nowhere around pro wrestling until he came back and did the FS1 show for WWE. The fact that he is showing up, to me, tells me he still has that pro wrestling bug and still wants to be a part. Okay, well, don't eat eat uh, you know pastries and tell everybody where to go. How about that? Yeah, I'm a look, leader, you know, look, he's 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 a pain in the ass. The quarterback for the team that I root for professionally in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, is a pain in the ass. Sometimes you got to find a way to deal with it, and and you just got to come to terms and make it work so everybody's happy. When you're worth it, talent level. Finally, news and notes. PW Insider reports that last week at Dynamite, Thunder Rosa had a backstage meeting with the women's talent. To clear the air, it was noted the meeting was productive. She's returned to the uh, the team traveling as a member of the Spanish announce team currently. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that she's going to be part of the Spanish announce team um, going forward. Um, look, I, I, I enjoyed, like, I was rooting for her to win the championship. Like, the story they told with her and Britt Baker is one of – if not the best story for the women's division, but it's certainly one of the best stories that AEW has told in their, in their short history, like Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. I was thrilled when she won for the character. And then you start finding out more and more about the behind the scenes stuff. And you're like, crap, man, come on. Can we just, so hopefully she can put these things behind her because I think she can be a compelling character and she can be a good thing for the women's division, but it all comes down to one thing. You can be a pain in the ass, but if you cannot be trusted, the way that some of the accusations about her were flying, no selling, and, and and being difficult to work with in the ring, like that, that's tough to come back from. And if she can come back from that, that's good for the AEW women's division. But she still has a long way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, my suggestion is for her to go to ROH. That's my suggestion. Unless you think that there's money between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker or whoever the issues that she had. I don't think there's money in that. Quite frankly, no. not anymore. Yeah, it, I mean, I think that's past. I think it was an opportunity to make some money there, but I I respect Thunder Rosa. You know, from the AEW shows I've gone to, when she was part of this company, she was top five as far as pops. I can only base it on Milwaukee and Chicago because that's where I've been. When her music hits, it's like, oh man. I mean, definitely strong with the Latino the the Latino audience, huge. But I think when her music hits, it's like, oh, you know, you she's going to give you a good match and she's a, this great baby face and all that. But if she was going to be part of this company, I would say to try to bolster the ROH side, I think that she'd be good over there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Athena there, Mercedes there. 
So there's definitely room to go. But that's it for news and notes. All right, we've reached the final portion of the program. Match of the week, gentlemen. What did you have? Hmm. Rowitz? Uh, for me, I mean, I think it's Saturday night. Like, as much as the ending sucks, Sammy and Roman, like, it was great storytelling. It was fun. Everything about it was a great chance for Sammy to shine. The only other match I would throw out there, the opener from last night, Wheeler, Yuta, and Cassidy. Like, every time Cassidy sort of gets a chance to shine, he shows, like, hey, guys, I can go. Same with Yuta. Like, they're sort of telling a story. I still don't really know what they're doing with Cassidy in that belt, but just a great match last night between those two. I, I keep continuously being surprised, and I shouldn't be at this point. I, I've, I've apologized for being wrong about this, and I'm going to apologize again because I said when, when Orange Cassidy won that championship, I'm like, it's great for Orange Cassidy. I'm glad that he got one of these, you know, our championships in AEW. But I don't know what he does as a champ. They have found a way to tell compelling stories and have, have compelling matches. He carries it around in a backpack. The whole thing's fantastic with him as as the Mid-Atlantic champion. All-Atlantic champion. All-Atlantic yes. champion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Whatever. I don't even know the name champion. of the championship. The Mid-Atlantic champion is Black Bart back in the day. That's that. That's that. <laughs> the, the Jim Crockett era of the Mid-Atlantic title. Um, no, uh, Wheeler to Utah and Orange Cassidy told a great story. Well, you know why? You may not respect Orange. Here's another guy. Orange Cassidy, right? Doesn't need a championship. Doesn't need it. No. He was already over. Nope. But just... The idea that he's indifferent to everything and carries his uh, that title in the backpack, and then he explodes with a great with a great match. It's like it's just the most unusual thing I've ever seen. I've only watched wrestling since the late seventies or eighties or whatever. I've never seen anything quite like this. So with Wheeler, with Wheeler and um, Orange Cassidy, I think they were fantastic. Gabe. Um, by the way, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but uh, somebody, as he was doing interviews for the Ant-Man movie that's not out, uh, somebody broke into Paul Rudd that there is a wrestler based on his character from Hot Wet American Summer. And he was like, really? Like, he was just so taken aback by it that he couldn't believe that there's a character, a wrestling character based off of that. And again, coming into Jefferson Airplane the way he does, which was the theme song for that movie, it's, it's very much an homage to it. And it's hilarious. Um, and again, anytime you can get Paul Rudd caught by surprise, I'm in on that. I'm, uh, I'm also, um, I'm also an, uh, an edge mark. And I thought that edge in theory had a good main event at Raw. I did. I didn't like the finish, but I like, but I liked the match. Um, Edge is a, a veteran, yeah. and he's in there, and he's going toe to toe with Austin Theory. Austin Theory, nobody likes the reverse chin lock like him, boy. I got him. <laughs> I mean, he, everybody else runs the ropes. Everybody's you know doing two topes, and Theory didn't care about what you think. Uh, hey, Austin, we got five minutes left. Yep, reverse chin lock. <laughs> we got four minutes left. Yep, yep. I'm a town. Awesome, we got three minutes left. All right, let's go. That's like you still got the reverse chin like it like it's 1994, still holding on to it while everyone else is running around, right? Keeping the action going. Austin just hanging in there. Try what's the big place to fight underneath? Like, what the hell? Get up, get up. Don't just rest there with the reverse chin lock. But I still like the match, though. It was fine. I thought I thought it was good. And if we're extended back to Saturday, as I mentioned, I like Monet against Kyrie. I thought that that was a great match for New Japan. I think that was – I can make an argument that was the best match in San Jose for New Japan. I can make the awesome. case that that was, that was the best match. Um, the men's elimination chamber, again, the end kind of ended up being a little wonky with, with Logan Paul interfering at the end and doing a buckshot lariat. I don't care what he's calling it. That's what I'm calling it um, because that's what it is. 
Um, he clearly saw it on AEW and, oh, I can do that. And, and has been trying. And by the way, uh, Hangman, the fact that Hangman makes it look so smooth, like, because there's a point when, when Logan Paul does it, like he jumps, like catches himself, makes sure he lands, and then he finishes it, where like Hangman just makes it look smooth. It kind of gives me... A- I guess the way that he can pull off that move. What they were able to do is kind of give star-making moments to everyone in the men's elimination chamber match. Like, everybody had a chance. Like, you know, with with, with Bronson Reed that took that many finishers as it should have to eliminate him. They allow Montez Ford to do, you know, climb to the top and then drop down on everyone and have this incredible moment. Like, they were able to build everyone up in their own separate ways where they could make, like, it's the first time I can think of in the elimination chamber where you were able to kind of, even though there were five other losers, everybody was able to leave that looking better than they did coming in, except for Seth Rollins, who had to eat a buckshot lariat from Logan Paul. Yep. I would agree. And by the way, and as I told Bro, it's what a scary moment. You think that Montez Ford is out, like it's a CTE situation, and they only did it just to open up the gate so that way oh. Logan Paul can get in. Great spot there because he scared everybody. Like, oh, he's oh, got yeah. it. scared everybody. Yeah. It's good, it was, it's good storytelling there. Like, great storytelling and good on him for selling it that much, man. Like, for being able to sell it where you're like, man, I, whoa, he actually might be. And then Logan Paul comes in. Like, I still had a buddy who was paying attention, like just watching this pay-per-view. He's like, wait, I understand like that the, the gate was open. And, like, but Montez Ford is okay, right? Like he's, he's going to be fine. I'm like, yeah, it was he just did a great job of selling it. They had to open that gate somehow to get Logan Paul in. So that was, again, they, they did a great job with that. Unfortunately, did not do a great job with the ending, and they blew a chance. You have to you have to learn, Gabe Neitzel, to rib your fans, especially those that are not paying attention. No, you extend it out. You extend your own storyline. Nope, that guy's got CTE. He may never wrestle again. That's how you do it. Don't, don't give it up. Don't give it up. Just tell him, just like, yeah, you know what? That's just an unfortunate situation, my man. I mean, his <laughs> wife is with the company. His wife works there too. Yeah, Bianca Belair, and she had to rush to uh, his side in the, in the ambulance. It was a tough spot in Montreal at the I local think. medical facility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> extend the rib. You can't. You can't give up the secret. We're a secret society, as Russell Actually, You know what? Hey, hey, kayfabe, kayfabe is real. I'll keep the kayfabe real next time when my non-wrestling buddies who happen to be watching the, the premium live event text me during it, and they're going to be plenty because WrestleMania season is upon us. Also, building towards Revolution at the beginning of March. It's an exciting time. It should be an exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan. Hopefully they start telling some compelling stories that get us to buy in. If they don't, we'll continue to complain about it. If they do, we'll praise it all right here next week on GKW.